Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement, as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a great show today. We're going to hit a couple of different angles uh, to talk about what's going on in our country today, uh, and a lot is going on, uh, but we're going to talk a, a bit about some of the, the law enforcement uh, incidents and the response to it. Uh, we're going to have a great discussion because I have a great guest named Robert Thibodeau, who is not only uh, an ordained preacher and uh, founded Evangelism Radio. He's been running that since 1997. I don't even remember what the heck I was doing in 1997. And he's a retired police sergeant. Uh, so, Robert Thibodeau, welcome to the show, man. Hey, appreciate it, Ken. Uh, anytime I can help out our fellow law enforcement and first responders, man, I, I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah, dude, we need your help, man. <laughs> we need your help. And, and yeah, just so you know, I've known Robert for a few years now. He's a great podcaster, does a lot of great shows, uh, and, and is a man of faith. And I, I, I think if we ever needed faith, um, we definitely need it now. Uh, <laughs> any, thought, any thoughts on that, Robert, with all the stories uh, that you're hearing out there? Sometimes the, when, you're, when you're watching stuff on the news, faith is all you can have faith yeah. that you know this is not well i'll just put it like it's not taking god by surprise yeah but uh you know but according to what we see in the bible about living in the last days what we're seeing every night on the news is just falling right in line with all of that i mean there, yeah. there can be no doubt about it yeah i was actually uh speaking with a group of uh police foundation leaders earlier today and one of them mentioned because we talked about what are you doing to support police officers in what is possibly definitely in my lifetime but probably in most people's lifetimes the worst time ever for law enforcement professionals and one of the people said, you know what, prayer, you know, we're actually getting on Zoom and, and helping police officers with their faith and praying with them. And because and, that is a source of peace in this complete chaotic time. Um, I know that it's, it's helped me during this. I'm sure you've come across and all of this chaos, given your faith that, that you're finding some peace from it as well. <laughs> Yeah. Amen. Like I said, that, and that's the whole purpose of, of your faith is to see you through those, those trying times, you know, and knowing that everything, when, when the world's going to hell around you, there's something that is still above that. And, yeah. you know, and I know so many police officers that, you know, have to go down into the trenches and, and they're facing this stuff on a, on a nightly basis and they use their faith, uh, you know, to, for protection, to allow them to, to do the job they need to do and, and come back home safe and sound. And it just wasn't, you know, just not the riots and all that that's talking about it. You know, for law enforcement, it's a nightly thing or a daily thing. You know, every time you put that 
uh, uniform on and, and walk out the door, you know, a traffic stop can go bad so quickly. Uh, you know, a routine, you know, you're stopping in at 7-Eleven to get a cup of coffee and it's in the midst of an armed robbery. You walk right in on it. I don't, you know, so, I mean, you, you just, that's part of the job, you know? Yeah. And uh, with, with all that we see going on right now and the, the current events on the news and the attacks on law enforcement, you know, something that they don't want to talk about in the media, but a lot of these interactions where these people are being shot is because they fail to comply with an order to stand down. Right. You know? and, and, oh, you don't want to, okay, you don't want to give up. You don't want to put your hands up. You don't, okay, well. I guess we'll just ignore all the violations just did and let you go. You know, that's yeah. what, that's really what the rioters want, you know, is, is for the police to become so hands off that that's, that's the policy. Well, it doesn't matter if I robbed somebody or shot somebody, you, you don't have a right to talk to me, you know, type yeah. thing. And that's, you know, that's 99% of the problems that the rioters are talking about. Yeah, it's such it's such an absence of logic, um, and I don't have the answer for this. Maybe maybe you do, as both a, a preacher and a retired uh, police officer. But it, it's just such an absence of absence of logic, and I understand the emotion. Um, let's take one of the most recent cases, which is the uh, uh, Jacob Blake case in in Kenosha. Um, when you just watch the video, especially if you don't watch the entire video, I understand the emotional, visceral reaction of seeing somebody getting grabbed by the back of their shirt and getting shot seven times. Um, and I would even say, all right, you know, seven, let's, let's talk about that. But, you know, when you see the whole picture, you know, first that he had several chances to comply Right. Um, coupled with the fact that the way I understand it, there was a knife in the car where he was going and the officers have a responsibility not only to protect themselves, um, to protect the kids in that car, to protect everybody else if somebody is going for a weapon. Um, so you see all of those and you, those aspects to what happened. And then you also learn that this guy isn't an altar boy. <laughs> he's not, right. you know, he's right. not a choir boy. He's, he's got a record against women, which I have a serious problem with. So you have this absence of logic that creates, you know, whether it's basketball players, you know, not playing that day or people, people looting and rioting based upon, you know, this incident which, okay, maybe he shouldn't have been shot seven times, but he certainly needed to comply, and the police had to do something. Yeah, how do you, how do you combat that lack of logic? Do you, do you just pray, or, or is there some way you could, you could reach people and say, come on now, let's, let's look at the whole picture? Yeah, well, you know, talking about the, the individual instances like that, you know, people react to – Oh, they shot him, you know, and, and he didn't have a gun. He didn't, you know, all that. Well, having been in that situation, mm -hmm. I mean, there's one instance that I'm thinking of to this day, I don't know how my finger stopped the trick because I had already taken the play out of the trigger pull and was in the process of squeezing that round off because and everything had told me this guy has a gun, you know, and, he turned his back to flee again as I'm pulling the trigger because he had turned around to confront me, 
and I, I was getting ready to, you know, my flashlight had reflected off something in his hand and witnesses as I was in this chase had told me he has a gun, right? And he turned around to confront me about 15 feet away and I'm pulling, I'm, 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 I mean, I got him right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And as I'm pulling the trigger, he turned and now I'm looking right dead center at his back and I'm thinking in my mind, this is not gonna end good, you know? Because I, I was in the middle of the woods, white guy chasing a black guy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my figure stopped. And, I, and when I released her, oh, you know, reholstered. And I, you know, this guy now had another 10 yard head start on me. Yeah. I caught him within like 30 yards because I, I was so hyped up on adrenaline by that time. And it wasn't a gun, he had a cell yeah. phone, you know? Yeah. But uh, I know these decisions these officers are making are in like half a second is what they're processing. And they have to process, is there a threat? Am I being threatened by this individual? What is the appropriate reaction? Okay. Now, when the public sees the video, they only see, you know, that 30 seconds or 45 seconds of of that part. They do not see you know, the two minute foot chase. They don't see, you know, the, the interaction and, and all the resistance going on and, and the threats made to other people. These are all things that the officer's going through in the second, in that one second when that decision is being made. It's not an easy decision when you're gonna yeah. decide to take someone's life. And people say, well, you should have shot a, the gun out of his hand or the knife out of his hand or shoot him in the leg. You watch you know? too many movies. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the officer is facing an imminent threat or someone else is facing an imminent threat and the officer is there to take that appropriate action. Right? Now, that being said, with all of the demonstrations that have resulted recently because of all this stuff, uh, there's only one explanation for that, and that is demonic influence. I mean, there is lack of, if you notice, in these inner cities where all this is going on, not one. I mean, any other time there's something going on, you have pastors grouping together, going down and making their own marches down in the streets and trying to bring unity and, you know, holding prayer rallies. None. There's zero evidence of this in any of these cities. Now, there may be a few pockets here and there that are meeting together, huddling together, but they're not going out in the streets and, you know, being the intermediaries between, you know, the opposing forces, if you want to call it. That's what it is, really, is opposing forces, good versus evil. But this can be explained by nothing else except demonic influence. And, Hmm. And the only thing that can defeat demonic influence is prayer. You know, that's an interesting point. Uh, I want to get back to that. First, I want to say from your story of um, catching that individual and not shooting him, fortunately, because he had a cell phone. um, The most impressive thing is not that you didn't shoot to me, but the fact that you actually ran fast enough to catch this person, because I, I don't see you being that quick. I attribute that to the adrenaline. That, that was a 100% pure adrenaline rush, I'll tell you. Yeah. But, but see, I've, I've always been a runner you know, from the time in the military. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I used to win my age group. You know, I, I'd enter, uh, 
you know, like 5K races and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd win. You know, I have trophies up in the attic, you know, of all that stuff. But I've always been a runner uh, because of my military time. And, you know, I'd, I'd go down when I went to drill sergeant school back in 86. You know, I, I was weighing, you know, 180 pounds. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, would, I was second place in the class in the diagnostic PT test when you got there. Uh, there's some little skinny dude that was a track star, you know, was like a hundred <laughs> yards ahead of me, but I was ahead of everybody else. And, and I remember, you know, cause we ran a quarter mile track and you had to call out your number so they could record it. And I remember about the sixth lap as I was running by, I heard one of the, the instructors ask another, how does somebody that big run that fast? That's you know? <laughs> just the way I was. Even at the police academy, I wasn't, I wasn't there 45 years old. But I was like sixth or seventh in the class, even yeah. at that age, you know, so they used to, I, I've had like six foot chases in my, in before, while I was on the streets before I became a supervisor. And uh, I caught every one of them, you know, and some of the officers used to rib the prisoner, you know, when, when they're in there and I'm doing the paperwork <laughs> and say, how'd you let that old fat guy catch you anyway? You know, You're like, dude's faster than I thought. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that I, I wish I would have seen some of those on tape. You know, <laughs> like wow, this old white dude is fast, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had one one instance. Uh, we were out on the highway, and the guy took off, ran, jumped over a wall, and you know was trying to run down the exit ramp, and it was about a eight foot drop, and. The supervisor, you know, when I called out, you know, foot pursuit, you know, on the radio and he had pulled up the traffic cam and he seen me, he said, dude, he said, you covered that ground. There was probably 50 feet between the Jersey wall and the wall to the exit ramp, you know, going across. And he said, I looked at the video there. When I scaled the wall, I just put my hands down, threw the legs over and I disappeared. Boom. I hit the ground running and they could see me. I caught the guy in like 20 seconds and uh, I go, I don't know how you do that. (laughs) Yeah. That, that was, that's, that's one thing we, we had in common. I was never in law enforcement and never, never a first responder, but for a very, very brief time in my early twenties, I trained to be a firefighter and uh, on the physical thing, dude, you know, I was always one of the fastest on yeah. that, you know, half mile run or whatever it was um, and did all right with the other physical uh, aspects of it. Uh, but I couldn't pass the test. I never was good at <laughs> physics or chemistry. And you kind of need to know that in firefighting. Yeah, um, so yeah. that was that was <laughs> that that coupled with the fact that I was never really good at following orders to begin with. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'll try another profession. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One area we definitely have covered is Washington, D.C. Police Federal Credit Union serves the Metropolitan Police Department in the District of Columbia and several law enforcement agencies in Maryland and Virginia. For more information about Police Federal Credit Union, go to policefcu.com or call 877 877- Two seven eight seven three two eight to find an institution to serve you outside of Washington D.C., Maryland, or Virginia. In any of the other forty-eight states, 
go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. Going back to what you said about demonic influence, um, yeah, I, I don't want to make this a, a religious show, uh, coupled with I don't want it, you know, to be a you know a sequel to The Exorcist or anything like that. <laughs> but you know, one thing that that you said that really uh, popped into my mind is the fact that in all the news that I've watched, you know, I've yet to see a pastor, a preacher, um, somebody from of faith, um, rabbi, whatever, walking down a street with a bunch of people right. that are protesting the issue, but also protesting in a way that, that speaks to the preservation of life, speaks to uh, principles and faith and so forth. And I didn't really think about that until until just now. And I'll, I'll add one more thing. And one of the uh, police foundation leaders, because I, I have a I'm privileged to talk to a number of them around the country. I had a conversation, I want to say a week or two ago, and this particular professional who isn't a police officer, she's married to a police officer, she runs a, a police organization, mentioned that you know one of the places that they always found peace was in their church and the church that they belong to has vilified not only police but them so much that they've made them uncomfortable in their own church mm -hmm. and i thought to myself all right these are people of faith that should be finding even if it's just minuscule, and I think that there's a lot more than just a shred that can bring us together, they should be looking for that in, in the spirit of faith. And that isn't happening. Why, why do you think that's the case? And, and, and is there a solution to all this um, in, in that? Well, I'm not going to generalize all of the churches in the inner cities, you know, as being yeah. under this, but, you know, I'll just go back to Baltimore. That's where we're at, Baltimore, Maryland. And 20, I think it's 2015 with Freddie Gray. Yeah. And the riots that took place. The pastors of those church, of local churches down there held a rally, held a march, and they marched and, and they would come out and stand between the protesters and the police and, and try, hey, you know, let's settle things down and you know, all that. And that was covered on the news. You know, mm -hmm. they were out there, quote unquote, doing their job. But like I said, you're not seeing that in any of these, say Seattle, Portland, you know, now they're, yeah. they're may, they may be out there, but they're not being covered on yeah. the news like that. Right. But uh, I think part of the reason I've talked about this on my radio show that uh, I believe part of the reason is it's such a hot button topic that these pastors, if they speak out against it, they're worried what would happen to their church yeah. and their building. Uh, oh, so you're on their side now, so we can torch your building, you know, type thing. Uh, that That's how volatile this situation is yeah. that the, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to generalize and put everybody sure. under the same umbrella, but I have a feeling there are many pastors in the inner city that they feel they have to support their parishioners going out and doing these things. Otherwise, they're going to be vilified and, you know, 
all the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, instead of putting their faith in the Lord and saying, you know, wrong is wrong and I'm going to speak out against it. They're just remaining silent. Yeah. And, you know, cause you know, and that sometimes being silent is just as bad as participating in the riots. Yeah. Yeah. In, in fact, um, I, on this show, um, and I've referred to her a number of times because she she was a great guest as yourself. Uh, her name is Melissa Agnes. She uh, runs the Crisis Ready Institute um, and is very, very against racism. She is... Um, uh, believes that there's systematic racism in our in our country, um, and also is a huge proponent and supporter of law enforcement. So she she comes from uh, she comes at this problem from a few different perspectives, and and one of the things that that she said is is that you, you can't fight emotion with logic. That's right. And, and I, I think that's what we try to do is, is we, we fight this issue with, well, you know, you, you look at, you know, whether it's the uh, Jacob Blake case or the Breonna Taylor case um, or the, um, and I, I believe it's Rashad Jennings in, in Atlanta. Um, and I apologize if I don't have that name right. There are so many cases that, that people are protesting about. It's literally hard for me to keep them all straight and you, you you look at those cases that people are protesting about and if you look at all of the facts you look at all of the logic Let's, we'll talk about george floyd later because that's a little bit more black and white but you look at the facts of all the other cases that that you know i mentioned and you 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 can easily look at the facts and say you know what uh, law enforcement didn't exactly have it all wrong here. And just even to put that in a factual s state is like, oh, well, you're, you're obviously against us. You're obviously a racist because, you know, I don't believe your facts. If, if we can't combat the emotion with logic, is it possible that we can combat the emotion with faith? I understand your question. Right. The the problem would come through, I think, when a lot of the people that are participating in the emotional aspect may be lacking faith. So therefore, True. they're just running on emotions. Uh, you know, you have the people of faith who are caught in the middle. They see what's happening. They're angry with what's happening, but they're willing to go through the discussion aspect and talk about change and, and logical change and, you know, tr extra training for de-escalation techniques yeah. and things like that. But they're stuck living in the territory where the, the lack of faith is prevailing right now. Mm -hmm. And all, and the only thing they're running on is emotion. Yeah. So they're kind of stuck in the middle. You know, and the police are like, hey, we can talk about it. The people of emotion, we're not talking about anything anymore. You know, we're just going to burn it down. And mm -hmm. then the people of faith who are living in that area, I think they're stuck. You know, they, they want to have the discussion, but at the same time, they can't say they want to have the discussion because they're living in the territory that's under nightly riots. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I think that's that's the problem there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Interesting point. Um, and and if I can inter interject Please. this, if 
the leadership of these cities would stand up and do their job, that would go a long way to promoting the, the efforts of logic and discussion. But instead, they tell the police just back off, you know, and the, the old mayor of Baltimore City to let them burn the city because we can rebuild, you know, just let them have it, you know, and, yeah. you know, and told the police to stand down, you know, but if these, you know, 100 plus nights of riots and terrorism and things like that, and you don't, you handcuff the cops, basically, you tell them, just leave them alone, you know, let them go. Yeah, that was that was the case here in uh, Long Beach, California, in um, late May, early June. Um, that was the case um, in Indianapolis. Uh, that was I could go on and on and on. I, I've I've seen that happen. Seattle, Portland, um, and yeah, I keep thinking um, about. Uh, uh, Giuliani's book on in the, theory on the broken glass theory that you don't let things escalate to that point because yep. um, then you got a real problem on your hands but uh, but that's probably a different show maybe I'll get Giuliani on here um, you know it, from from a police officer's standpoint and you know, I, I eventually want to to get to some possible solutions because uh, you know, it, it seems like we're a void of solutions, you know, other than just, you know, bluntly defunding police or blindly defending police. And I and I and I don't think either extreme is going to work. We need to find something in the middle. Uh, but it seems like the George Floyd Floyd case, which was obviously wrong. Um, every law enforcement professional I've, I've talked to, uh, either active or retired, has said that what happened with George Floyd was completely wrong. Yep. Um, now, we, now, sometimes we, what's interesting is we kind of argue, not really argue, but discuss uh, and have different opinions as to at what point did it go wrong. You know, some say it's somewhere by the car. Some say it was somewhere in that eight and a half minutes, you know, so that there's some discussion on that. Uh, but I have yet to find anybody in law enforcement to say that, you know, what he did was completely right, which is right. not the case. And, and but, he'll pay for that, too. Yeah. He's going to be prosecuted. Yeah, he will. And, and he'll pay for it. Yeah. But is it is it possible that you know, the George Floyd case being one where anybody that is is part of Black Lives Matter say here holds that up and said here see what's happening, and and now they're using some of these other cases which aren't as clear cut as George Floyd as the excuse for the protests and so forth. Yeah, is can can that be the case? And, and is there something from a faith or logic standpoint that we could do with that type of, of knowledge? Well, the case of the continuing cases uh, where this is happening can be attributed back to what we are talking about, lack of compliance on the part of the suspect. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, if the, the suspect doesn't run, the cops don't have to chase them. If they don't have to chase them, they don't have to tackle them and get into a scruffle with them. And that's where, things go south fairly quick. Uh, you know, so number one is the attitude on the street has to change back to one of law and order again. 
the cops, they don't want to, I don't know of any cops that says, gets up in the morning and says, eh, I feel like shooting somebody today. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> they don't want to do that. And, you know, they would rather just have a nice, easy shift, go home at the end of the day, did my job, you know, yeah. but they are there to handle whatever situation arises. So it comes back again to the leadership of the community not doing their job and especially the the men and women of faith not fulfilling their obligation of praying for the city and actually going out get outside of the four walls and go down and become that buffer between mm -hmm. the antagonists and the police between the the one faction on one side and one faction on the other side the, the people of faith have to go into the midst of, of the, the, the turmoil and use their faith to bring about peace. But you're not seeing that right now yeah. anywhere. And, you know, part of the outrage is all about, well, you know, since the George Floyd thing, we've had seven other, you know, shootings of unarmed black men, you know, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. How many unarmed black men were killed by other black men? Yeah, you know, I mean, in the inner city, you know, just here in Baltimore over the weekend, they had, I think they said 12 shootings and six deaths, something like 13 shootings and six deaths, something like that. And that's just one city. Mm -hmm. But yet, no protests, no outrage, you know, and yeah. Chicago, good Lord. I mean, Chicago's lost more people in the past, what, three or four years than the entire Afghanistan war soldiers lost, you know, yeah. over 20. But no outrage, you know, no protests about that. You know, yeah. it's always that one police officer. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you, Robert. So to kind of wrap this up a little bit, um, looking at solutions. Um, one, you know, is there a, is the solution, you know, just possibly you, mayors, police chiefs, and um, faith leaders getting together on TV, going out there and showing a united front and saying, you know, this is the beginning of something else. Is, is that the solution to, to begin to bridge a gap with everybody that is, is so angry or is, is, is it something else? No, I believe that would be a good first step because you have the legal authorities, which is the mayors, the city councilmen and all that, they're the governmental authorities in that area, right? The police chief and his, you know, uh, chief assistants, that represents the department, the law enforcement branch that is the point of all the turmoil. And then you have the men and women of faith, the church leaders, ministry leaders, synagogue leaders coming to meet with them that can help begin the discussion and of course, you'd have to have representatives from the, the leaders of the protest groups and all that involved as well, so that they can go back and say, okay, let's, let's quiet things down. They're, they're working on, you know, and, and begin the process. That's what's lacking right now is mm -hmm. a process yeah. of moving forward. Right now, the only process that we see is a process of destruction. That's it, you know, and the city leaders refuse to talk bad about it until it comes outside their house. They say, oh, this, you can, you know, I'm on your side. Why are you at my house? You know, type thing. Yeah. But, you know, uh, 
the heck with everybody for the last hundred days that was suffering through it. But I think if, if the, the men and women of faith, the pastors, leaders, ministry leaders, would make the effort to be the intermediaries and begin the process of discussion with the city leadership, with the police leadership, with the protest leadership, it would go a long ways towards beginning the path of resolution. Right now, there is no path. Yeah. Well, and even on the law enforcement side, um, even though this is a first responder and in, in, in pro law enforcement show, um, as I tell many people, you know, law enforcement has some responsibilities here too to change and, and use this as an opportunity to, mm -hmm. uh, as I like to say, you know, let's forget about defunding and defending. Let's find a way to develop um, the police because uh, you know we could we could talk about issues and in yep. lack of change and so forth in in that sector too. Yeah, is there an other other than just doing surface level? Okay, we're not going to do chokeholds anymore. Everybody should right, be okay. Right. There's no more chokeholds. Well, you know that's ridiculous. You know what what can law enforcement do to help to progress the change, real change, to be able to bridge the gaps um, with communities and 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 with the protesters in your mind. Well, let me just cover real quick about defunding, you know, removing some of the funds from the police mm -hmm. department. Right now, the police departments are, are strapped and they're short-staffed, which means overtime for existing officers. The academy, they, they're, they're required to have so many hours of whatever training and they're trying their best to get the recruits to go out and the, on the street and relieve some of the pressure so they're not paying all, all this overtime. By adding more classes to the academy, you're extending that out. So now you got instructors that have to be paid because a lot of them are right. college instructors are coming from the community colleges and to, to teach. Uh, you're extending that out, which means you're also paying the recruits those extra couple of weeks, a month that they're in the academy. You're paying the instructors for that extra time. You're paying the overtime on the street for the other officers who are covering for them. Uh, so defunding them is going to do a couple of things, and that is cutting the budget they got to take officers off the street, cut the number of recruits in the class. There has to be, there has to be a cut somewhere in there. And that impacts what's going to happen on the street. I believe that, you know, they should have some resolution training and, and de-escalation techniques and things like that uh, included in the academy class, other than the one or two days that are devoted to it now. Uh, but at the same time we're going down that path, there has to be an effort made to, I hate saying educate, but make people aware that if you are in a confrontation with a police officer and they say, stop, that doesn't mean screw you, I'm still running. <laughs> you know? Know. Especially if Thibodeau's chasing yeah. you, you'll probably That's catch right. you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I I hear you completely on the defunding issue. When when somebody says defund the police, I usually just simply ask, "All right, well, what's your plan? You know, what's what's the plan? What's what are the alternatives? You know, you can't just and and let's look at the from the prospect of the inner cities right now, where all this turmoil is going on. They say, well, we need more officers on the street. Okay, how are you going to draw these officers? into yeah. the academy from those neighborhoods because the 
potential people are like, man, I don't want to be a cop right now. Yeah. That's why so many cops are putting in their retirement papers yep. and all. It's like, you know, that's the attitude. I'm I'm done. I've got my 23 yeah. years in or what. I'm 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 out of here. So the young officers who have two, three years on the force are suddenly finding themselves as supervisors because right. their supervisors got promoted to fill a gap and those supervisors got promoted to, you know, senior leadership, but they don't have the, you know, several years of experience at that yeah. level. So now you got inexperienced supervisors teaching inexperienced uh, officers what they need to do and to draw in more people, they have to lower the standards at the academy so now you're taking people who normally you wouldn't even consider letting them be a police officer. Now I'm like, well, okay, come on in, you know, and you know, people are hot headed or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. So now that's exasperating the people on the street interacting with, you know, stuff going on. So that, that defunding thing, that, that is just, you know, like, you know, Russian roulette. That's all it is. Yeah, you got a vicious cycle there where you you already have inexperienced officers that uh, are stressed uh, on so many levels, uh, are on edge, and and now we're we're creating an even uh, more potentially volatile situation, um, which I think you know play possibly played a part in in Kenosha, um, yeah. at least at least in my opinion in looking at it. Um, but yeah, I could, I could talk to you all afternoon on this, Robert. Um, and I, I certainly, I certainly reserve the right to, to bring you back, but, uh, I really appreciate your perspective. Um, I appreciate your service, uh, both as a man of faith and as a retired police officer. I appreciate that. Um, the last question that I have for you is anybody in our audience, um, that either wants to find Evangelism Radio, any of the other podcasts and shows that you do, uh, or tap into any of your expertise, as we talked about today, how best can they find you? Um, I guess the, the most popular platform uh, is evangelismradio.com. It's an online Christian radio station, been rated number one in the world on many occasions uh, in the Christian talk niche. Uh, they also go over to the podcast uh, KCR podcast, Kingdom Crossroads podcast. It's kcrpodcast.com. And uh, there's contact forms there. They can reach out and come straight to me. Perfect. Thank you again, Robert, for being a great guest and being willing to talk about uh, something that isn't an easy subject to talk about. I really appreciate your time. Not a problem, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. And thank you to all of you that have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be with you again next week with another great guest. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.